0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for the
1: broken. Now, I know God is sovereign and in control, and I'm not getting into any of that area. What I do want as a church is for us to be aware of the spiritual battle that is taking place within our own nation, the greatest country on this planet most prosperous nation on this planet, the most advanced, and we have all this stuff and these luxuries and all. We have no reasons to worry, but yet all we do is worry.
0: Worry and depression can lead to a downward spiral. Even if you have the luxuries of life, you can still feel empty and alone. As Pastor James shares today, that's exactly what Satan wants you to feel. He wants you isolated and feeling like there's no hope, but there is hope. There is hope in Jesus. He came to this world so that no matter what you go through, you can always turn to Him and find peace. When you're falling apart and feel like you have no place to turn, remember to turn to Jesus. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark, chapter 5, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
1: It says for Jesus had already uh, said to the spirit, "Come out of the man, you evil spirit." So just so we see the scenario, Jesus is out on the shore. This guy is running towards him. He's screeching. He's yelling. He's screaming. He he gets into the presence of Jesus and he falls down. He's like Jesus, you you can't be here. You're too early. You're too early. You can't judge me yet. You can't send me away yet. That day is coming. Even this demon knows that the day is coming when Jesus is going to come back and all those fallen angels will be taken care of. This guy knows that. The, The demons now, they are aware of that. They know their days are numbered. They know their days are numbered. What's fascinating about this is the verbiage he uses when he addresses Jesus. He identifies him as the son of the most high God and he is correct. But then the next thing he does is in the name of God, what he does is he tries to call upon a higher name because he's trying to control Jesus. That's why he says this. The demon in the sky says in the name of God because he's calling on a higher name. So he thinks so that he can control Jesus because this was common back in the day. You would call upon a name that was higher than your opposition and that you gain ground over them. And then you control the scenario. And that's why he says, in the name of God, I know what you're trying to do because in that present moment, Jesus is saying, telling him to come out. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I call upon the name of God. So look, I, I, just, I just one-upped you. I one-upped you, Jesus. You got no power over me. And Jesus is like, maybe you don't know who I am. Maybe you don't get it. Verse 9 says, Jesus demanded, what's your name? What is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Roman legion commonly had upwards, could have been 4,000 to 5,000 to a little bit over 6,000 soldiers in a Roman legion. And so there's an idea, are there 6,000 demons in this guy? We don't know, honestly, nobody really knows. Guys say that, but technically nobody really knows. But here's the other thing we know about demons. They're liars, they're liars. Are there more than one in there? Absolutely. How many? We don't know, but he's probably saying legion because there's so many, but also, that could be like a, a fear tactic. Like, there's a lot of us, Jesus, you don't want to mess with us. And you're like, seriously? Seriously? It could be. Because we know that within that realm, it, it's a lot of times, it's, it's just it's manipulation. It can be a manipulation. It's tactics, fear tactics. That's why, you know across this globe in in other regions and oftentimes within third world regions where you have some of this demonic possession and stuff, a lot of it is just like keeping people oppressed by fear, by fear. And they don't know. And sometimes when some of those guys get saved over there and they understand like, oh man, like we can call upon a name that is great, the greatest name, Jesus. And that's ultimate power over any demonic spirit. Some of these guys are just kept in their place because of just fear. It's, it's intimidation. Jesus is gonna have it. He's not worried about it at all. This, this demon goes on to say the evil spirits. So you can note that that's how we know there are more than one because it becomes plural, the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. So they, they, want to, they want to remain within this region. They obviously find it comfortable within this region. And demons want to have a host and all that good stuff. Um, we know from Daniel and a little bit from Revelation that sometimes there are demons that camp out in certain regions of our planet, right? Right. So maybe this is like where they feel most comfortable. All they, all we know is that they don't want to go to the abyss, which would mean complete, you know, I mean, that's it for them. It's over for them. So they're begging Jesus. They're, they're like, almost like praying to Jesus, please, please, please don't send us away. And he answers their prayer in a very weird way. But this is also part of it. He's like, well, those pigs shouldn't be here. <laughs> I don't know. We don't know what's going on here, but... It says, there happened, verse 11, happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the, the hillside nearby. And the demons say, they say, send us into those pigs, the spirits begged, let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. He answered in the affirmative, yes. I'm gonna answer your request. You can go into the pigs. Interesting. What is also fascinating about this is how demons view humanity they view you and i on the same level as pigs that's how they see you they there's no worth to your life concerning fallen spirits um don't mess around with demonic stuff don't do it don't open up those doors don't open those. i spent a good portion of my life exposed to all of that stuff don't open those doors because I can promise you this, I don't care what it is, what message it is, and you know, all this good stuff. And it's, I'm not even talking like Satanism, because that's technically a religion, but it's not a, even some of those guys don't believe in Satan, right? I hope you understand that. Uh, there's a lot of other things out there that you can be opening yourself up to concerning the demonic realm. Sure, it's going to be coated with, man, I find acceptance here. I find a place to belong here. I find my worth, my value within this system or with these people and all that stuff. Demons don't care about you. Because to them, you're just another pig. You're just a pig. You have no value. You have no value. The demons are like, send us to the pigs. Because we don't care who we possess. A pig, a person, one and the same. So he sends them. He allows them. He gives them permission to go. It says they came out of the man and into the pigs. The entire herd of about 2,000 pigs. So there's a chance that there was at least 2,000 demons in this guy plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. So million dollar question is, what happened to the demons? Don't know? I have no idea. I've studied this text many times. Did the demons die? Can demons die? I mean, what happened to these? Are they encapsulated? Because there's a lot of like theories and ideas of like, well, if, a demon you know is inhabiting a, a creature or something and they die in the water then they stay in the water i don't know if any of that's true i honestly don't even care i don't care where they're at because i'm not worried about these guys i don't care where they're at they may have i mean they what what we do know is what they were trying to do to these men is what they did to the pigs they're all about destruction and they killed all these pigs They cause these pigs to go insane and run down the the steep hillside into the water and drown themselves. That was the, the main objective of the demons within the man. That's why he's cutting himself. That's why he's in misery and in torment, is because they want him to die. Why do they want him to die? Because then he doesn't know Jesus. Because then he doesn't know Jesus. Our issue with suicide is major. And it goes far beyond like feelings of abandonment and hopelessness and lostness. There's a spiritual element that happens with suicide. And this is something that the church needs to be aware of because this is an epidemic within our nation. I have no notes for this. I wasn't even planning on going here. It is an absolute epidemic. And why, why, why are these people cashing in? Why are they, I think... In many cases, it's what the enemy wants because he can't touch them, he can't kill them, but he can implant those thoughts and those notions that this is the only way out. Why? Because he doesn't want them to know Jesus. Now, I know God is sovereign and in control, and I'm not getting into any of that area. What I do want as a church is for us to be aware of the spiritual battle that is taking place within our own nation, the greatest country on this planet, most prosperous nation on this planet, the most advanced, and we have all this stuff and these luxuries and all. We have no reasons to worry, but yet all we do is worry. And I know hearing from some of the pastors that have members of their congregation who work on out there in California, and especially when all that lockdown and shutdown happens. The, the suicide hotline was inundated with calls daily. It, it not only doubled, it, it, like it, there's not even a number for how, how much it intensified during that time. You had people who were working at the suicide hotline center themselves attempting to take suicide because all they were dealing with were constant phone calls every single day of people struggling with this. The enemy's goal is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It worked out in this scenario where, man, this guy gets set free. Praise Jesus that he gets set free. And again, I want us to, I want to frame that. I I want to like maybe implement that on our hearts is to, I don't even know what to do with that other than just be praying, be praying. Because again, the storms that you weather could be leading you over to the other side of the shore, so to speak, because somebody may even be contemplating this act. And they need you to show up at the right time. And they need you to speak to them at the right time. They need you to stop them on the, on the street or wherever for, for whatever it is that the Lord has for you. We have to be aware that, I mean, there's so much going on within our world. We have to be present. We have to be present. When we were at Bible college, this is, we were in Hollywood and street witnessing in Hollywood. And uh, we separated into teams, teams of three or four, we kind of go down and just up and down and all that good stuff. We do it. We did it in Hollywood a couple of times, but mainly we would go out to Oceanside and, and talk to the Marines from Camp Pendleton and all that good stuff. And who anybody and everybody else in, in uh, Oceanside on a, uh, was it Friday or Saturday night? Crazy. Just absolute crazy. But one of our teams encountered this man um, and I, I think I've shared this with you guys before, but it, it's worth retelling. They're out there on the street in Hollywood, Hollywood Boulevard, and they stopped this guy. Right? He didn't seem like he wanted to be stopped, but they stopped this guy. They're like, Hey, can we uh, can we share with you real quick? They share the gospel with this guy, they begin talking to him and all this good stuff. They, um one of, their, one of the team members ends up sharing the gospel, presenting the gospel to him, and, and actually leads this man in a, in a salvation prayer, leads him to the Lord, leads him to the Lord. And then what he says next is what blew this team away, blew the rest of us away. He's like, you know what? Um, thank you so much for stopping me because here's what was gonna happen. I was going home to go kill my wife, and then I was gonna kill myself. And now I've surrendered my life to Jesus, and that's not gonna happen. Thank you so much for stopping me. I mean, these stories are real. This stuff's out there. We, as believers, have to be present. We have to be aware of what's going on. Somebody may need us, and they may need you to stop them on that day. And more than likely, it's going to come after a major storm within your life. You never know. Um. Finish out this story. Uh, <clears throat> the, the, the saddest part about the story is what's about to happen. It uh, says, So, this, so the, the pigs went down into the water, all that good stuff, all that bacon, all those pork chops. Goodbye. Adios. Um, that's fine. Verse 14 the herdsmen fled to the nearby town because they're like, What? They, they just witnessed everything that happened. Um, they fled uh, to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw they saw the man who had been, I love that, past tense, had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed. So somebody gave him some clothes and perfectly sane in his right mind, as your translation probably says. Completely transformed by Jesus completely renewed by Jesus. How long did it take? What was that course like? How many days was that? No, it was an instant. And sometimes it happens in an instant. For this guy, in his right mind, in his right mind, clothed, and note this, he is sitting at the feet of Jesus. No longer wandering around in the tombs of death and all that stuff. No longer there, no longer screaming out. He has been set free. And he's in his right mind, seated at the feet of Jesus. Sit at his feet. Oh, he set you free. He has broken the chains. He has set you free. Please sit at his feet. Please sit at his feet. There he is. They all witness this. They know who this guy is. They're the ones who've been chaining him up. They're the ones who kicked him out of their towns. They're the ones who forced him to live in the graves. And they see him. And they were all afraid, which I don't fault them for that. Okay, they're like, well, who are we dealing with here? Who, because we couldn't solve his problem. Who's this guy who solved this problem? It says, verse 16, then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Jesus will not remain where he's not welcome. That's true for you in your house. That's true for us in a church. If he's not welcome, he won't show up. He won't show up. Well, he has to. This is a church. Mm-mm. No, no. No, no, no. Then That's why we always pray, Jesus, please, we welcome you here. We want you here. We want you here. I pray that you pray that Daily. Jesus, please be with me today. These guys are like, Jesus, they're now praying to him. Please go away. Please leave. We don't want you here. You scare us. So please leave. And he answers their prayer in the affirmative as well. So the demon's asked to go to the pigs. He's like, yeah. Townspeople are like, Jesus, we need you to leave. He's like, okay, I'm on the boat. I won't stick around. You don't want me here. I won't stick around. There's no other record of him showing up in this region ever again. They didn't want him there. So he leaves, verse, six, verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Now he's praying to Jesus. There's a third person in this story now praying to Jesus. But Jesus said, no wait a minute, hold on. Like the demons are like, please send us into the pigs or allow us to go into pigs. And Jesus is like, yes. The townspeople are like, please get out of here. And Jesus said, yeah, okay. Demon possessed man, restored in his right mind, totally set free. What what an amazing testimony this would have been to add him to the team. And I mean, people would have been drawn all around to have this. And Jesus says, no, no. What well, this is the best prayer request, and Jesus said no. Um, there was this thing going around. I don't know if it's still true today, but I know it was true in Amarillo for a while. There was pastors talking about how Jesus always answers in the affirmative for his followers, right? And if you don't get a yes, then it's probably because you don't have faith. That was actually going around. I don't know if it's still prevalent or not within our world, but I'm like, yeah, to demons. Yeah to people who don't want them. No to the dude who wants, abs- I mean, he never wants to leave his side. She's like, no, 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 no I don't. we don't, we, we don't. There's room in the boat. Yeah, no, that's not a problem. Um, we don't need you with us. I got another plan for you. So maybe when Jesus tells you no, it's because he has other ideas, and they're better ideas than what you think. No, join your team. I know I'll be number 13. That's kind of unlucky or something. But um, uh, I'm sure one of these guys will bail on you soon enough. And well, that would have been true. But uh, no, he's like, she's like, no, I have another idea. I got another plan for you. And this is what he says, verse 19. No, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns, that's the, the Decapolis, that's what your translation may say. It's technically, literally 10 towns, okay? These major towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. No, you can't come with us. Oh man, bummer, I gotta live in these tombs. no, 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 go back to your home. Because what we didn't realize, what we didn't know, this guy had family. He had family that hadn't seen him for years probably. And imagine this guy showing up at Thanksgiving, right? In the Decapolis region. Totally brand new. Absolutely been made brand new. A new creation in Christ Jesus. That's a tremendous witness. And Jesus is like, no, no. See, we got to go this way but there's 10 towns over there. They know who you were. Now they need to know who you are. You go, I'm gonna send you off as a missionary to those regions. Go tell them how good God is. Go tell them how good the Lord is. Go tell them how how the mercy that he has shown you today. And let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that's what he's telling you to do today. You may have ideas of like, I wanna go here, I need to do this. He's like, no, you just need to go home. You just need to go home and you need to tell your family and your friends of how good Jesus is. That's what you need to do. There's no greater witness than your life that has lived for the Lord Jesus and that has been surrendered to him. And you don't have to have all the answers. You don't need all the answers. Don't let that discourage you from telling people about Jesus. You don't have to have all the answers. You're never gonna have them. What you need is your testimony. This is who I was. For this guy, it was easy. Yeah, you guys locked me up. (laughs) You guys kicked me out because you couldn't handle me, and I don't fault you for that. Because when you did that, what you didn't realize, kind of like with Joseph and his brothers, what you didn't realize was God was gonna use that to save me, to save me, and then use that probably to make a difference in his family, to save his family. If you're in a storm, can I encourage you? There might be somebody on the other shore who's just waiting for you to make it through that storm. They're waiting for you. So then you show up, battered and bruised and afraid and all that good stuff. But you're there to minister, you're there to meet them where they're at when they needed you to be there. And you just get to share with them like, I used to be just like you. I once was bound. I once was imprisoned, but I've been set free. Jesus set me free. My mind was all messed up. Man, he set it right. He totally transformed me. He didn't remodel me. He made me brand new. He made me brand new. So let's go out into this world that needs Jesus. The the people, they're all around us. They're all around us so let's let's be aware, let's be a church who's present within the world in which we live today.
0: Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the Gospel of Mark this book is fast-paced, you'll notice as you keep studying with us that Jesus was on the move quite a lot. He did what needed to be done, and then he moved on to the next thing. Jesus packed a lot of service into his time here on earth, culminating in the greatest act of sacrifice ever, dying on the cross for everybody. If Jesus was consistently moving and serving, shouldn't we also be doing the same? Our faith doesn't say that we should just sit back and let others do the work. We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus right here, right now. So go and do whatever it is that the Lord has gifted you with. Go share the good news of the gospel, and then demonstrate it by how you love and serve people. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston, and we would love to meet you. Visit breadforthebroken.com for more information. Would you like to do something for us? Would you pray for your fellow listeners? Pray that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Please pray for us, too, that we would continue to follow Jesus' leading no matter where it takes us. If you feel like God is leading you to partner with us financially, all donations are greatly appreciated, no matter what the size is. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for coming alongside us in sharing the gospel message. That's all that we have for today. Join Pastor James next time for more here on Bread for the Broken.
2: Sure up you